Can I borrow one of your sons? You can pick any one of them. Uh, let me see. Um, let me see. Can I borrow? Yes. I want to borrow you. And, okay. And I need a female. Okay. You. Great. So, why don't you sit up here? Actually, I take that back. Set up the seats for them. Okay. Nope. Uh, one, two, three, and four. Right, they're going to they're bring the seats for you. In the meantime, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 20. And Mark chapter 3, and you could pick any seat you want to sit in. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. So I'm 14 to 20. And Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. And I'm reading in the Passion Translation. Later on, Excuse me. Later on, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful gospel of God's kingdom realm. Verse 15. His message was this. At last, the fulfillment of the kingdom. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. Verse 16, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Lake of Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew. He watched them as they were casting their nets into the sea, and he said to them, come follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people instead of fish. Verse 18, immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind and followed Jesus. Verse 19, walking a little further, Jesus found two other brothers sitting in a boat along with their father, mending their nets. Their names were James and John, and their father was Zebedee. Verse 20, Jesus immediately walked to them and invited the two brothers to become his followers. At once, James and John dropped their nets, stood up, left their dad in the boat with the hired men, and followed Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. So they went up 
the mountainside to join with Jesus. Verse 14, he appointed the 12 whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friend. He wanted them to be his friends. And so that he could send them out to preach. Verse 15. And we have authority and to have authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Verse 16. He appointed his 12 and gave Simon the nickname. Say nickname. Peter the Rock. And he gave the brothers James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the nickname Bene Raga, which means passionate sons. I, I want to speak to you on the subject nicknames. Nicknames. That's the subject. Nicknames. Last week we said that you are appointed, that is God. Whatever point in life you're at, God has brought you to this point, and God knows where to find you. You also said not only are you appointed, but you're anointed. You're empowered to do what God has called you to do, to be where God has placed you. And finally, we talked that you are assisted, that God has a Jehovah Nathan in your life, better known as the name Jonathan, which means gift of God, that there are people who God has put into your life to help you to get where you're supposed to go. Are you with me? Verse Mark chapter 13, 3 rather, Mark chapter 3 verse 13 starts out with the words afterwards. And I thought about after what? And when you look at the previous verses, let me tell you some of the things that happened that brought us to this afterwards Jesus went to the mountainside. We're talking about after Jesus broke the rules of the Sabbath, the tradition of the Sabbath by healing a man. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. Healing is considered work. That's against the law. It's against tradition. Yet Jesus, not only did he heal a man in the Sabbath, but he did it in broad daylight. Not only did he did it in broad daylight, he did it in a synagogue. So the religious leaders were very upset. After not only healing and breaking the rules, then after spending an entire day speaking to a crowd of thousands, spending an entire day healing hundreds of people, after spending an entire day, are you with me, casting out demons, then finally after spending a day knowing that the Jewish leaders who were upset with Jesus breaking the rules, he knew that they were planning to assassinate him. In other words, Jesus, after a very stressful day, hung out with his friends. Oh, my. Oh, my. The Bible says that Jesus called 70 guys, and I picked the name number 70 because my guess it might have been the same 70 that he sent out in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. But he picked 70 guys to go up to the mountain to be with him. To be, watch this, his close community. And then out of those 70, he chose 12 to represent him, that is, represent him 
And these 12 were going to be apostles, which means sent ones. And then out of the 12, he picks three who he gives nicknames. And these are the only three that he gives nicknames. <laughs> ah. See, a nickname in a dictionary, a nickname is a descriptive name given in addition to the name that belongs to the person. It is a descriptive name at times. And, and, and so sometimes that name being descriptive can also be prophetic. Dr. Sam Chan, uh, one of the best leader developers in the Christian world, in his book, How to Break your, the Culture Code of Your Church or Your Organization, he said that when he was a kid about five years old, his teacher, with no malice in it, because we know death and life are in the power of the tongue, with no malice in it, said, you know what, Sam, you're nothing but a little animal. And he said, from that moment on, I decided to act like an animal, meaning that, meaning that I was always picking fights every day. You call me an animal, and I have no definition, no, no, nobody to define my life, so I guess I'll, ask, I'll act like an animal. And, and some of you have been labeled, and you're fulfilling the prophetic destiny that someone else spoke over your life. But today, it's time to break that lie. Because the only one who's supposed to, watch this, the only one who gets to name a thing is the creator of the thing. That, that, that's, a, that's a bad word right there. That's a bad word right there. So, if you take your identity from anybody but your father, it is a lie from the devil. And the Bible says, not only is the devil a liar, John 8, verse 44, he is the father of lies. So a nickname can be descriptive. A nickname is also a familiar form of a proper name. In other words, for example, I discovered, uh, particularly with Irish people, uh, if their name is John, they'll be given the nickname Jack. That's why many people refer to our president, John Kennedy, as Jack Kennedy. Are you following me? The name Robert, people call Bob. Are you with me so far? The name um, uh, Richard, people will use the nickname Rick or a female. The, the female name Margaret, people will call what? Maggie or Peggy. Peggy. Okay, so, so that's what they're talking about. The, the word nickname, the, eto the etymology of the word nickname is, is actually Ike name. Ike name. And all Ike simply means is an additional name or an increase to the name. So, uh, so another definition says nicknames are created, watch this, through familiarity. Nicknames are created through familiarity or through family, through community. When I was growing up, 
uh, you know, back in the days when you actually hung out on the street as kids. Are you with me? Uh, and, you know, playing hide and go seek. What's that? Red Rover, Red Rover, send someone right over. Hey, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Play kickball in the streets. So you played in your community. So when I was growing up on Glendale Ave and Somerville, my, the guys used to call me Green Pea. No? Because my last name was Green. So I guess it's better than Green Boogie. So Green Pea, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay? Uh, <laughs> but there's also names. They're familiar names, and they are names that were given to you many times, familiar or family names. How many of you have a nickname that, you, that, that family members use? They, they call you that by the nickname. Okay, uh, what, what do they call you? T, okay, T, okay. Zachy, okay. Gremlin, oh, nice, nice. Hey, Chase, huh? Chasey Wacey. Okay, anybody else? Sharon. Huh? Gid? All right. So, so we have these nicknames. My, my mother, no, I, I, when, when, no, I called my daughter, and I thought I had this thing made up for her. When she was born, Vanessa, I used to call her uh, Bam Bam. And I started to call her Bam, no, Bama, and then Bamski. And my mom used to call me Boo Boo. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cute when you're like, you know, growing up, but after a while, I was like, come on, mom. <laughs> Maybe why she was pregnant with me, uh, you know, Yogi Bear, <laughs> show with Boo Boo kind of spoke to her, and I don't know. <laughs> but again, uh, nicknames are names that we get from people who are familiar with us. Oh my. So it is a nickname is an additional name that comes from someone who's familiar, someone who's family. So I love the fact, oh my goodness, I love the fact that that people who were familiar with God gave him nicknames. See, everybody else called him Jehovah. But Abraham, because he got familiar with God through experience, he called him Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Gideon, being familiar with God, said, you're not just Jehovah, Jehovah to me. I'm going to give you the nickname, the additional nickname, Jehovah Shalom. You're my peace. Anybody here familiar with him being Jehovah Shalom? Moses said, you know what? I have a nickname for you. It is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. David said, I don't know where to go and what to do, but I've discovered I'm going to write a whole song about you. In Psalm 23, you are Jehovah Roe, the Lord my shepherd. I am never confused. I always know where to go. And then in the midst of captivity, born in captivity, never to be able to escape, in the midst of all that, when all hell is breaking loose, when all hope is gone, Ezekiel calls him Jehovah Shammah, which means you're present no matter what situation I am. How many of you have a nickname for God? I met a friend uh, at, at, at a 
course I took about a year ago uh, with Family Foundations Institute, and a friend of mine from Maine, he gave me a nickname for God, and I said, I like that, and I'm going to use that from now on. And, and so he says, he says, you know what I call God? I said, what you call him? He says, I call him Jehovah Sneaky. Oh, this is going to bless you. This is going to bless you. Why? Because he sneaks blessings into my life. How many of you have ever gotten mad at God and then he, he, he didn't even turn it. He turned it to you, but he used the thing that was negative for a positive and you ended up having to apologize to God. Can I get a witness? Okay, 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 okay. Some of you all need to remember because you were saying, God, why you forsake me? Why has this happened to me? And all of a sudden, bam, the blessing. You're like, oh, God. I'm I, I call him Jehovah Sneaky. How many of you have ever received a blessing that you did not expect? He, he's Jehovah Sneaky. So my wife and I decided, you know what? If you're going to be Jehovah Sneaky, I'm going to write down every time you sneak a blessing in my life. And what I discovered, you need to write, you need to write this down. What I discovered is that the more I write down, the more he sneaks up on me. Because it was like he's saying, he's like he's saying, oh, so you're going to give me, watch this. So you're going to give me a praise that's noteworthy? Oh, then I'm going to do more. Maybe the reason why God ain't sneaking up on you is sort of like if a tree falls in a forest and you don't hear it, does it make a sound? If God gives you a blessing and you don't notice it, is it really a blessing? Oh, I was lucky. Oh, things just worked out. Oh, really? Oh, I have my Jehovah sneaky. Oh, shoot. We, we, we have now, we write out our list every Monday of what, God sneaked up on us and surprised us with all week. And after a while, we're like, we, we will start out with a list of 10. And then the Holy Spirit will say, remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that sale? Remember that man opened the door for you? Remember that? And next thing you know, the list grows from 10 to 40. And then we just say, man, you're just a bad God. Mm. It's with my family, and with those who I consider my community that I, that I share with. And sometimes, let me back up. Sometimes you got to understand that people can be a blessing to you. Amen. And, and that's why we have these, these little cards told you you need to get these cards and give them to people who've been a blessing to your life. Are you with me? Zach. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you. Okay. You can read it later. Okay. But how many of you, no, how many of you gave out the card this week? You gave out a card this week? Okay. Come on, we, we need, come on, folks. We, we need to be a blessing. We're trying to create a culture of blessing. 
We're trying to 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 notice we if I said how many of you criticized somebody who talked about somebody, all your hands would go up. So why is it only a few hands go up when we're talking about how many of you gave a card to let somebody know, I thank you, I appreciate you, I wanna bless you. Mm. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church. Let's keep going. It's with my family and those who I consider my community that I that I share my highest moments and my lowest moments. I don't I don't tell everybody my high moments. I don't tell everybody my lowest moments. Isn't it interesting that Jesus took the guys he was very he was closest with the nicknames Peter, James, and John, and he shared his highest moment with them, and that is found in Mark chapter nine, verse two to eight. He brought those guys to the mount of what we call transfiguration. And it was such an incredible moment that Peter said, you know, let's build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for uh, Elijah, one for Jesus, because Moses and Elijah appeared and they're having a, they're having a, they're having a small group meeting with Jesus. And Peter, James, and John are like, oh my goodness, these are like the Mount, the Mount Rushmore. So, you know, you get my point, okay? Don't, don't come in. Mount Rushmore didn't, wasn't there back then. Okay, work with me, okay? These, okay? These, this is the Mount Rushmore of, of the Bible. These are the dudes. These are the Hall of Famers. And they're having a conversation. And Peter, James, and John are like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. But what's more incredible, Jesus said, this is the high point of my life, and I want you to be a part of it. How many of you know that there's some people that you can't tell the high points of your life because they'll be jealous about it? I had a friend of mine who got her, uh, her doctorate, and one of the first things she did was why she was graduating because I couldn't be there. She, she sent me a picture of her degree because she knew that I wasn't going to be hating on her. Mm. There's some people that you can't share the good things that happen to you with because you know they're not going to celebrate with you. It's going to create a whole lot of drama.
There's only certain people that you share the most painful moments of your life with. Am I right about that? The, the most, the most, uh, uh, the things that cause you to fear most. The, there's only a certain group of people that you can be transparent with. And the point I'm saying is that now I'm wearing red today, as you can see. If you couldn't see, now you do. <laughs> because today um, we, we begin our small groups at this church. And everybody who's a part of the small group, I was told, was wearing red. And we want to encourage you. Who, who, who's that family? Who was that group? Even Jesus had a small group. He's the son of God. And even he had a small group. Even God has a small group. He starts out by saying, let us. He's not talking to himself. This week, we begin... People signing up for partnership, meaning we call membership in this church partnership. I want to encourage you to join a small group. I want to, I want to encourage you to join a community who, by God's grace, when life is high, they can rejoice with you. What's, what's the use of having a celebration? if you have nobody to celebrate with. About 20 years ago, I met a pastor. I was part of a group called the Central Squares Minister Alliance. So we used to meet and what I discovered is that I was looking for a Christian organization, but it was more interfaith, you know, Buddhist and Zen and all that. And I, I was not feeling that at all. Are you with me so far? So while I'm sitting in that meeting, Pastor Larry Ward, he was just new pastor, and Pastor Warren Collins was with me. And then... But I also met another pastor, Asian pastor, uh, Pastor Sun Chen Ra, who is a pastor, founding pastor of Cambridge Community Fellowship Church, where Larry Kim is. And I met another pastor who had kind of just started. His name was Dave Smeltzer, and he was um, basically the uh, founding pastor, basically, of uh, Vineyard Church, which is now Reservoir Church. So we were kind of leaving the meeting, a little bit disgruntled, and we started talking. I'm talking to Dave, and I have a little idea about Vineyard, and I realized, because John Wimber and I said, well, this some, so we started talking, and he said, you know what, uh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling this either. I want, I want to be a part of a 
Christian groups who worship in God, who we can pray and really you know, believe in evangelism. And next thing you know, so all of us got together. In fact, we didn't get together. The Lord brought us together. Here is this you know, white man, and he's like six foot five, and <laughs> there's these three black guys, and Asian, and, and also uh, uh, Pastor Dan Zantowski. What we did was we started our small group praying together. And then there was a low point, and there's some members here who used to go to Vineyard. The low point was when uh, Dave's daughter, Claire, um, had a sickness that she was going to be pronounced dead. And Dave Obviously, the Vineyard Church was praying, but Dave came to the group and he said, you know, I need you guys to pray for my daughter. And some of you who were there, here back then, remember, we prayed. Long story short, God just did a miracle that baffled the daughters, the daughters, the doctors. And I think Claire is probably around 12 years old now. I saw a picture of her and every time I look at her, I say, She's a miracle baby, but there was a community that Dave could go to and say, We're, me and Grace are at a low point. We need to pray. Then a few years later, Dave came to me and said, came to us and said, you know what? We have this opportunity to buy this Catholic church on Ringe Ave. And there's some big money uh, a company that's, I guess, owned by Disney or something, they want it, but we don't have the money. You know, we, we can't compare to those deep pockets. Could you pray? And we were praying, and we were praying with them. I know the church was praying, but our group was praying. And, and, and when they got that Catholic church, we were like, yay, vineyard, yippee. And, and I came to our church, I board and I said, hey, um, I want to see $10,000 into what Vineyard's doing because I want to celebrate with them. And when Dave, you know, he came back and said, oh, we got the building. And my point is, is that he felt comfortable enough to say, we got this big building knowing that we're not going to be jealous of him. We're not going to say, I've been in Cambridge long. You, why can't we get a big we celebrated. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. That's what small groups are about. To be able to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so, why do I have these young people sitting here? Well, first of all, because I want to give them money. But here's a challenge. This is going to get deep now. We, mm, are you ready for this? Here's, here's the problem. We learn in rows. So right now you're sitting, well, and you're looking at the stage. And you're not interacting, which you shouldn't be. 
and you're not texting. <laughs> you're, you're, you're focused on the stage and at worst you're focused on you're not supposed to be, you're supposed to be focused up there. Yeah, we we cuz we're learning in roles. So we sit in roles every Sunday morning and we look and the best we could see is the back of someone's head. And every once in a while, maybe from the stage, the worship leader will say turn to the person next to you and say it's good to see you. Turn to the person next to you and say it's good to see you. Come on. Good to see you. Okay, okay. How many of you know that's not a conversation? That, that's just a statement. So, watch this. We learn in roles. Come on, kids. Come on. Bring your chair. 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 We learn in roles, but we grow in circles. So how was school this week? Good. Good. What did you do this week? Math, science, English. You must be a smart person. How was your week? It was good. Okay. Do you know this guy? What's his name? Elijah. Elijah. You know her? Yeah. What's her name? Beulah. Oh, wow. How do you know her? From Sunday school. Oh. Do you guys talk? Yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> do you know him? Do you know her? Okay. Well, why don't you introduce yourselves? My name is Joshua. My name is Beulah. My name is Elijah. My name is Joshua. My name is Bishop. Well, it's not really Bishop, but... <laughs> now, you can't have that conversation... Facing the, so what's your name? Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't get to know somebody in a row. I have no friends. That's because you live life in a row. Why doesn't Elijah notice I'm hurting? Because you're in a row. Why doesn't he know that I'm having a wonderful day? Because you're in a row. Why can't he rejoice with me or pray with me? Because you're in a row. And until you're in a circle, you'll learn, but you'll never grow. I like what Pastor... China once said, we learn in isolation, but we grow in community. It's in circles that I find out that I'm selfish. It's in circles that I find out that I have a bad temper. Mm. Isn't it interesting that you learn a lot of things about your life around the dinner table? It's time to be part of a community. It's time to be no more life as a lone ranger. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand. We're going to do some community right now. I want you to pray for two or three people around you right now. If you don't know the person next to you, you can ask them their name. But two or three people around you right now. Come on, two or three people. This isn't hard. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you what to pray for. I'm going to tell you what to pray for. I just want you to... Good, 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 good. Okay, okay. Okay. Is that Sunday school today? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, Sunday school students, you're released. I'm sorry. Thanks for the signal. Sunday school students, you're released. Okay, I, I want you to I want you to listen to this. Before you pray, I want you to listen to this as the kids are leaving. There are three things that will help you to become a part of a community, a part of a small group, a part of those who can become familiar with you. And eventually those who can become family to you. And sometimes you're going to find out eventually that God has given you a brother or a sister from another mother. That this person who's of another ethnicity, another nationality, they're even closer to you than blood relatives. And you may be saying, well, I don't, I don't have anybody who, who, who I can call that com my community. How do I do that? Three things that will at least get you started. Number one, if you don't have community, pray. Pray. The Holy Spirit will lead you to that person. Okay? The second indicator is proximity. I guarantee you that Whoever God has for you is within reach. You just may not know that. And then the third thing is passion, meaning that I guarantee you there's going to be some common denominator that will bring you together. You just don't know it yet. And so right now, I'm going to ask that you pray with each other and say, God, just, just continue to open my eyes to see who my people are. <laughs> who, who, who are the people I'm to have that intimate 
relationship. Who, who, who are the people who I'm giving nicknames to? Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Let's, let's pray. God, open my eyes. You may say, well, I already have that group, but God may be trying to move you to another group. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. No, no more long rangers, Lord. No more living life in isolation. No more trying to do it on my own. We, we come against the lie that says I can't make friends. We come against a lie that says nobody cares for me. We come against a lie that says I, I'm, I'm always going to live my life in isolation. We come against a lie that says I will live my life in a row. We come against a lie that says there's no circles that I can become a part of. That is a lie. You are going to bring us into circles, Lord, where we have something to offer. Holy Spirit, you're going to help us to find our people. And Lord, maybe this is the day that I become a part of a small group. This is the day that I've been looking for the, the right church to join. And I, I think I found that community. And so I'm going to sign up for partnership. This is the day. I, no more wandering. No more. Yes, I'm learning, but I'm not growing. Because it's in circles that I find out about myself. There's, it's in circles that I find out if, if I'm dependable or not, if I'm faithful or not. It's in circles that I find out, do I really have patience or not? Do I have a bad temper or not? It's in circles. Am I selfish? Am I self-centered? Am I a blessing or am I a taker? It, it's in circles that I find that out about myself. I, I find that out. I don't find it out in rows. No more living life in rows. One more minute and then we're going to pray. Lord, let this be a place where people can come into the circle easily. I want to share one story with you before I have my wife pray. Um, Sister Ruth, could you raise your hand? Just yeah, you, 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 yeah, you, yeah. No, raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Okay. We had met in a parking lot of the church. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, what, 
obviously you're here for morning prayer because why else would you be here at 6 o'clock in the morning? So as we're walking, she's like, yeah, I, you know, my pastor told me about a church in, you know, way out in Reading, that, you know, International Family Church. And I said, oh, that's my pastor. And so we had this connection. And she started coming to, to morning prayer regularly. And as she started coming to morning prayer, she met Miss Us, she met Nair, and we kind of became her people. And her husband, you know, they're both professors in University of Minnesota, her husband, um, you know, he was kind of flying back and forth while she was doing sort of like a fellowship. And then, uh, was it last year? Was it last year? Can't believe it. Wow, just that soon ago. Last year, she got attacked by the enemy so bad that um, she could not, she couldn't even, she could barely call and definitely couldn't drive. But because she was living a life in circles, the circle of the morning prayer group, she contacted Dr. Marion. And then Dr. Marion was able to get, I guess, the ambulance or drive her to Mount Auburn. So she's at Mount Auburn. And the doctors can't figure out what's going on with her. And actually, the doctors said, you know, we discovered what's wrong with you. And it's so bad that if you don't get this operation, you're going to die. So in the meantime, of course, her husband's in Minnesota wondering, you know, how do I get to my wife? But she had her people. And when she couldn't talk, we were able to talk to Tade. And then when we were trying to explain what the doctors were saying, we said, I'll tell you what, we got uh, Elder Ken on the phone and he explained some things to her. And, you know, to this day, he'll, he, he'll, he'll say, um, the, the thing that made me love this church is because of the way you took care of my wife when I couldn't get there. This, this, this is a new person. This is a person who who said, you know what, I'm just going to come to morning prayer. And all of a sudden, spending a lot of time with those people, they became, her, you know, she became our people. And she became family. And we sat at the hospital with her because she was family. She wasn't even a partner. She wasn't even a member. But she was part of a circle. And so I'm going to ask my wife to pray. Because if you're here and you're feeling alone, today make a choice. Join a small group. Become a partner. And you will grow like you've never grown before. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We just honor your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you for this word this today, God, about community. And Father God, we know that you don't want anybody to be isolated. So Lord, we just come against even that spirit of isolation where people feel I'm lonely, I'm in the midst of a crowd, but I'm still lonely. God, I pray that you would truly bring us to that place that we don't have to feel like we're alone, that we are in a place of community where we can grow, where we can learn, where we can be supported, where we can support others, Father God. Lord, 
it is, a, it is not your desire for anyone to be by themselves, Father God. As we heard this morning, are reminded that Jesus had, had a community. So if Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, had community, how much more us? So, Lord, I pray that even as small groups will begin once again, Lord, that you would touch the hearts of your people, Lord. You would speak to our hearts, Lord. God, you, and maybe there's even individuals that have been hiding out in small groups, and they're supposed to be leading small group, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just open up our eyes. You would enlarge our hearts, Father God, to be who and what you have called us to be. Lord, I pray even this day, Lord, that small group leaders, they'll be overwhelmed today with people just saying, hey, I want to be a part, or I want to start a small group. There's enough people in this church that no one has to be by themselves. So, Lord, move. Move in our hearts. Move on our hearts, Father God. Lord, again, for those that should be leading and those that should be a part, God, speak to us so that we can continue to grow and that no one will feel left out, God. In Jesus' name, we